fellow citizens, our way of life, our very freedom came under attack in a series of deliberate and deadly terrorist acts. Several shots were fired as President Kennedy's motorcade passed through downtown Dallas. None of us will ever forget this day, yet we go forward to defend freedom and all that is good and just in our world. This is just a thing, please. Oh, you're coming out of Welcome to the Hagman Daily Show, weekdays 2 to 3 p.m. Eastern Time. And now your hosts, Joe Hagman and John Robertson. Hello and welcome to this Monday, July 30th, 2018 edition of the Hagman Daily Show. John and Joe here. We got a lot to get into and we're going to jump right in. We got news, uh, the continuing conversation of the political conflict we have in this country. And we're going to talk about a report from the Gateway Pundit as the New York Times publisher met with President Trump and talked to him about potential violence against journalists, then wrote a report uh, for the New York Times that came out this morning, but they ignore the over 500 and 30 plus violent attacks on Trump supporters. We're going to talk about the Donald Trump Hollywood star of fame uh, defacement. And then uh, two fights have broken out there since that has happened on uh, Friday morning, I believe. Also, uh, we have some information. Well, it, it is it new information or is it nothing new about the Malaysian flight 370? Oh, there's new information years ago. Uh, I think it was March 8th, 2014. I remember we were in Florida uh, when that happened, um, attending a prophecy at the news conference just before, a few days before that conference was to start. Uh, I remember this story uh, popping up and thinking of how strange it was. But a new report, without any verifiable information, states that Malaysia Flight 370 was potentially steered off course deliberately, whether through third-party manipulation or through uh, pilot error. <clears throat> As they concluded, the pilots uh, had nothing to do with the plane being missing or, or had no intentional actions uh, to create that situation. So what is the report really saying? The families say nothing. Uh, There's nothing new, no answers. They still don't know uh, where the location of the plane is, where they ended up, how and what happened on that flight. And the families are, uh, as you can imagine, upset. 239 passengers missing, never to be heard from or seen again. Uh, as one family member describes it, nowhere to remember for him and his children to remember the memory of his wife uh, as far as a physical location or burial or ah. having a funeral of any kind. And that's got to be shame. rough. Yeah, it's, a, it's such a shame. You know, let's Joe, let's just take a quick moment. We've already got two topics on the table, and I want to hit them both as soon as I can get Little Cat uh Little Cat wants to be on the Hagman Daily Show. <laughs> but when I say she wants to be on it, she wants to be literally on it, like walking across the MacBook. Back I hate and, that cats do that. That's her plan. That's her That's her big game. What is it with um, the cats and the computers? They always walk across the computer. They just, they've got to do what they've got to do. I've got a hashtag I've been running on Twitter. And uh, um, if uh, anyone's interested, uh, my Twitter is at RobersonJohn. Uh, but we'll talk about that in a moment because, of course, I want to hit for one minute today the the hashtag full armor of God project. But we'll talk about that later in the show. 
uh, first of all, uh, we're going to talk about the violence from the left, and we're going to talk about this Malaysia flight. Joe, um, but first I want to say that all the listeners, I would encourage you to pray for the victims of these issues, these stories that you hear Joe and I go over every day, Monday through Friday. And Doug and Joe do the same on the flagship show. Now, Doug is on hiatus uh, for uh, another week, uh, at least, from the Doug Hagman radio show. More on that later. But um, uh, we need to remember as Christians that there are lives, dozens if not hundreds of lives, attached to these stories that 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 these stories yes they're tragic and yes they make headline above the fold news but there are parents and spouses and little kids and the list goes on and on who's like in like in some cases there are little kids whose parents aren't coming home or there's a a, a wonderful beautiful marriage that maybe somebody waited you know 20 years for the right woman to come along and she's never coming back Yep. And so we need to be mindful of that as Christians. Okay, that needs to separate us listeners from those who are still lost, those who are still out trying to hear the voice of the Good Shepherd. So just wanted to say that quickly. Uh, okay, uh, first of all, the violence at the Hollywood star in Hollywood. Um, Joe, I would almost be compelled were I President Trump to, to by executive order, have that star pulled out of the ground and have it re-installed uh, in the ground, the only one on the entire Walk of Fame that says President of the United States instead of the little television emblem that he currently has. Now, Ronald Reagan has a, Holly- has a Hollywood star as well, uh, and his has a, has, I believe his has a radio mic on it. For those who have never been to the Walk of Fame quickly, a couple interesting points. First off, you get a little, a, a little relief emblem uh, below your name for what you uh, made the, accom- the greatest number of accomplishments in your life for. And there's, I think, six emblems. There's a, there's a mic, there's a film camera, there's a television, there's an album uh, indicating a recording artist, and then I also believe there is a, um, I'm missing one, uh, it doesn't matter. Anyway, uh, there are emblems that indicate what you did. What what got, oh I, oh there's a, a little uh, I believe there's a little gramophone that looks like the Grammys. I, I may be wrong about that one, but what's interesting about the Walk of Fame is as below as above so below. When you look at a number of the the Hollywood luminaries that appear to have sold out to the Angel of Light to Lucifer, which comes from the Latin lux. Uh, they are upside down just like pentagrams. And that would be on the south side of the Hollywood of Hollywood Boulevard and the Hollywood Walk of Fame. And if you look closely at the recording artists in particular, theirs look like their name in a pentagram with the eye of Horus or the eye of Osiris underneath. Now, this could be uh, just a by chance type of thing. It just works out sometimes that, I mean, we all do things or say things we don't, and it comes out in a way we didn't mean. So it could be that, or it could be something more sinister. But I think it would be an interesting publicity coup if the president said, get that out of there. And you either put one in that says president of the United States with the same seal that is on the uh, the presidential seal, the eagle, 
that's holding the olive branch in one uh, talon and the quiver of arrows in the other. Um, but this violence, Joe, enough is enough. Look, people are starting to really get hurt, okay? Uh, we saw it throughout last year. Uh, we saw the man who was who was sucker uh, uh, sucker uh, batoned with a bike lock. Yeah, the guy who did that was a injury. professor. Uh, yeah, and he got Francisco. caught. Yeah, his name was Eric. His name was uh, Eric D. Bag. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> I can't remember his last name. But uh, but but th- this violence is out of control. And then of course, show the one that really broke my heart. Uh, and I talked about this on the objective, on the objective of Stephen Menking a week ago Saturday, was that octogenarian. I believe that man was either 82 or 83, and there are two citizen medics, two e- uh, uh, emergency service personnel who are on their own time, but they've brought out their trauma packs and their work in this event at People's Park in Berkeley last fall. And somebody knocked out like an 82-year-old man, and I believe it was noted that he was a Korean War vet. Yeah, uh, there was somebody and, who dumped a, a whole glass of water on a guy, on a disabled vet that was in a wheelchair last week. I forget in which city. This was uh, the same kind of situation. It was a, a Trump or anti-Trump protest, and there was a guy in a wheelchair, and this, this uh, Antifa guy in a mask, you know, in the black clothes, comes up to him and dumps a bottle of water right on him. It's they don't care if you're old, if you're young, if you're a woman. Uh, we saw during the Berkeley riots, they didn't care if they were women or not. They were pepper spraying and, and beating on anybody they could. And what Jim Hoff points out here in this article from yesterday, he says there have been over 538 violent attacks against Trump supporters since the 2016 election. And instead, the liberal fake news media has uh, fomented and encouraged and threatened and harassed Trump supporters. On Sunday, the New York Times publisher A.G. Slushenberger complained to President Trump about potential violence against reporters. The New York Times has ignored hundreds of violent attacks against Trump supporters. And so they had this meeting and uh, Trump, we, we can talk about this later, the the tweet storm that they say he did yesterday on the Mueller investigation on the New York times on fake news. And what he said on Twitter about this meeting is that the vast amounts of fake news being put out by the media and how that fake news has morphed into phrase enemy of the people sad. I really don't know what Trump means by that, but um, they go on to uh, highlight in this article that, the uh, the conversation that the New York Times guy and Trump had and the New York Times guy says, I told him, although the phrase fake news is untrue and harmful, I'm far more concerned about his labeling journalists the enemy of the people. I warned that this inflammatory language is contributing to a rise in threats against journalists and will lead to violence. But see, the only people who are being victimized by this violence are the Trump supporters, it seems. Is it not, John? Do you know of any examples oh, of man. overt I, actions of Trump supporters against the left or, or against the left? Or, no, no, no. There's been there have been some brawls. There has been some pushback. There have been incidents in Portland, Austin, uh, Dallas, uh, a couple of other cities um, where enough Trump supporters have shown up, and it's 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 gotten bloody. Um, but but here's the deal, okay. No, that's Look, a you're talking about um, people battling. Uh, yeah, I'm talking you know, about. We're, we're talking about just attacks for the None. sake of you know. No, I haven't heard fact, of one example. That and you probably won't. And even if one did, 
uh, you'll only hear about it on the Hagman Report or Caravan or True News or what have you. So, um, but but Joe, uh, the what needs to happen here is uh, we have lost. I had some really interesting conversations over the weekend. Uh, had a couple of meetings with some really uh, uh, just top notch people and fairly high level people, um, and. Uh, and I've got some commentary on that airline here in a moment too. But uh, but one of the things we talked about on Saturday was was the loss of common sense in this country. Now Ronald Reagan, one of the I think one of the most poignant things he said during his presidency in the 1980s was that that liberty is not inherent. Liberty is not passed down through your genetics. Um, uh, I guess, I guess, you know, transgenerational epigenetics aside, but, but, but basically the concept of liberty is only one generation away from tyranny. And so, yeah. so it's up to us to teach the children. And, and there's three things, Joe, that have, that have been, uh, compromised and have been handicapped, uh, over the past, I don't know, let's call it 20 years, but certainly during the era of George W. Bush and Barack Hussein Obama, and I would, I would, I was, I didn't follow politics as closely during uh, uh, William Jefferson Clinton, but I, I'm pretty sure it would apply back then too. And what it is, Joe, is simply this, and I'll, I'll give, I'll give you this, and then I'll, I'll hand it back to you, brother. It is a, it is a loss of critical thinking skills that then causes. It's almost like a secondary symptom, a loss of cogent reasoning because you have to have critical thinking skills in order to have uh, critical thinking skills are what initiate cogent reasoning if you're not familiar with the word cogent listeners by all means look it up it's a great word cogent reasoning and then by failing to employ critical thinking by losing your cogent reasoning skills you thus over time lose common sense and I think, Joe, that we are a couple of generations down a really dirty swamp here of the loss of yeah. common sense. And I'll say one more thing, and then I promise to give it back to you. You know, I think that you could make a very good article or do a very good piece on one of our platforms about the trivium, which is what the education that educated all of our presidents up to uh, probably Theodore Roosevelt. Um, the trivium was – Logic was, I'm sorry, it was observation, logic, and rhetoric. And then in addition to that, there's the fourth, which is mathematics. So uh, all of the teaching that went on for the first, like, you know, 150 years of our country, the, the teaching that, that educated Washington and Madison and Jefferson and, and Benjamin Franklin and Andrew Jackson and, uh, and then moving up the line a little bit that, ed that educated uh, uh, Grover Cleveland, the only president to run and, and enjoy two terms in office, but not consecutive terms, interestingly. Um, that education, the trivium, had, was replaced during the era of Dewey, the same Dewey who created the, the Dewey decimal system, and I would imagine the same Dewey who is begging Abraham to dip his finger in, a, in the water to cool his lips right now, because it's the man was part of the uh, Lucian Trust uh, uh, technocrat crowd. But that... Uh, Dewey intentionally under the guise of progress and the progressives, he changed education 
to just enough rote memorization and make people just smart enough to go to work, manage their lives, not so that they have good lives, Joe. They don't give a rip about that. Right. But just enough to go to work so you make the check so that they've got their tax base. And that's a sad statement, Joe, but but let me hand it to you. Is that not the truth? Well, it's, it seems to be the truth. That's what they uh, seem to be going for, and that's what they've gotten. I mean, they've, we've talked about this at nauseum, how the education system has been used as a as a tool of control more so than a tool of learning or uh, anything else. And, and it is a control on information, on logic, on thinking, on, on critical thinking, on common sense, and everything in between. And, and we've seen how low... Uh, really, it has gotten over the last few years with things like Common Core and, uh, you know, dropping uh, the need to drop the uh, uh, levels of, you know, comprehension. And then we see the results where, you know, half of the high schools in this country are running a, a, an illiteracy factories instead of actual schools. And it, it does all start at home with the parents, John. As you said, uh, these things are not genetic. They're not instilled in us by nature. Therefore, they need to be uh, something that we need to have uh, taught to us. And I know in my generation, my my grandparents and and uh, they were very patriotic, and uh, you know they uh, told the importance of of why it isn't so important to love freedom and liberty in this country. And uh, my grandfather was a World War II veteran, and um, yeah, that that mentality seems to be lost on this generation, and it's really unfortunate and sad but uh you know this is the times that we live in and as much as possible we have to try to instill that mindset back into um as many people as possible otherwise you know we are going to end up in a a socialist uh scientific dictatorship and that's what they want to do with this one world government john but uh, before we get too far uh in into another topic here remind me there was the the shooting in toronto that got glossed over a lot, and and there's a big battle in the world of the media in Toronto, in Canada. The, they're still pretending in Canada that this was not a terrorist attack, instead citing mental illness. But there is a, a much more sinister story behind this uh, guy who carried out this attack and his brother and uh, the possibility of a much larger uh, plot at play here. And whenever you want to get into that, we can. But, uh, you know, just back to the liberty aspect of this, the freedom aspect, for whatever reason, and I don't know why this is. Is it the universities? Is it Hollywood? Is it the, just the culture that we've created? What is the reason that people uh, ha have swayed so far away from uh, the Constitution and from the freedoms afforded therein to the people, not to the governments, but to the people? Why do we see this constant push toward, you know, total government control? Uh, always throughout history. This is just the way it goes. Well, uh, it's biblical, and it's something that I think separates the Hagman Daily Show from many other options that people could choose since you've only got so many listening hours per day. And by the way, listeners, we're very mindful of that. Um, we, we respect that greatly. Uh, I'm just going just gonna to work in a quick shout-out to Cowboy Jacks. Cowboy, J-A-X-X, -X, at Cowboy Jacks, J-A-X-X -X on Twitter. He says... Thanks for the follow. The Daily Show is my favorite listen. You guys have insight where other shows just regurgitate the same old crap. I like that. The same old, old, O-L-E, the same old crap. Life experience and research with a biblical angle. Keep it up, my friend. Well, 
at Cowboy Jacks on Twitter. You keep it up, my friend, as well. And thank you so much for listening. Joe, quickly, so we don't leave it dangling, the Malaysian Airlines uh, flight, uh, what was it, 370? Yeah. Okay. Um, I think you've already passed this point in your career because, again, you've been at this longer than I have uh, by a good five years broadcasting. Um, Joe, I'm starting to get some contacts. And and listeners, I can't uh, uh, explain this more sin- uh, any more sincerely than I am. It is really hard. When you and I and I and I knew this would happen eventually. I, I remember uh, uh, an issue that came up with Infowars back in 2013, and I thought to myself, someday uh, you will be in the situation. I didn't know how, and I didn't know with whom, but I knew that someday I would be in the situation uh, where I would start to receive information because of a public voice. And the most vexing thing about it, Joe, is many of these individuals, you know they are who they say they are. A lot of them, at least in my Rolodex, won't even come on the Hagman Report because they don't do any media. And uh, much like the uh, anonymous um, Wall Street guy I've mentioned a couple times over the past few weeks who assures me that there's this massive Hollywood bomb coming. And we want to talk about that for a second today, too, because I received yet another stream of information over the weekend um joe there there's now this may be at the point where the rumor mill is starting to crank but i believe that the sources that i've heard from i believe the sources that i've heard from are 100 percent legit because frankly these individuals have more money than they could ever possibly need they've worked at very high levels of either government or the private sector and really, uh, they've got everything to lose, and frankly, nothing to gain. These yeah. people, these, these people, don't need to come on Hagman Report to sell, you know, to sell a few books. Well, and John, um, I want to talk about this because uh, yeah, so go but, ahead. But, but you know where I'm headed with this, right? Yeah, and and there are uh, some people, uh, you know, going around throwing names around on YouTube and other places, and then there are uh, people who are just taking that information at face value and running though as if it were true, uh, without any evidence. But these names have been, uh, from what I understand, dropped before. Before. But we're going to talk about that. But let me hit this Toronto thing because uh, we live just a few hours from Toronto, and I had the opportunity uh, tuning in through some AM stations on Saturday um, in my car. I picked up a, I believe it was Saturday. I picked up a, a, a talk show out of Toronto, and they were addressing this. And this was some kind of more mainstream, but you could hear the frustration in their voice because. Uh, what happened? This was one of the deadliest shootings in Toronto history. Only two people were killed, from what I understand, but 14 were, were injured, uh, and some very critically, as this guy went uh, with a gun and just started shooting people indiscriminately. Now, what's interesting about this is the government and the media refuses to say this is terrorism. They're blaming this on, on mental illness. But listen to this. This is what the media is not telling you. And ISIS already took responsibility for it. But uh, was there a, a, a chemical weapons attack planned? Okay, this guy's brother, who has been in a coma since September of 2017, what they found at his house after he went into a coma, they found literally a truckload of guns in this guy's house and 45 kilos of carfentanil, a drug that's 
basically 10 times more powerful than fentanyl or 100 times more powerful than fentanyl. This is that elephant tranquilizer that people talk about where, you know, one molecule can you can overdose from. What is in the world are they doing with 45 or almost 90 pounds of this drug? And this is the guy's brother. So the question is being asked, Did this uh, was this a potential terror attack where they were going to try to introduce this into the water system? Were they just drug dealers? Uh, but the brother going on a rampage, a shooting rampage, and ISIS taking responsibility for it, and him being linked to ISIS, that's not in the news, but that's actually the, the motive here. But his brother having all the, this, all these drugs, uh, almost 100 pounds of, of this deadly uh, substance where one molecule can overdose, uh, overdose you, the question has to be asked, why is the media not talking about it? And was there a bigger plot here? That's something that uh, if we want to talk further about, I know we have a lot of listeners in Canada, send an email to joehagman at yahoo.com because uh, I want to hear what people, our Canadian listeners, uh, their insight on this. And, and if they knew that information about the brother and about the weapons and about the carfentanil. Yes, I want to hear about it too. Um by all means, email us. And uh, this is one of those really uh, cool moments in a show's history where we get uh, we get some nice emails. We get some nice accolades, and we appreciate it. And we get some constructive criticism here and there, and we appreciate that too. But we're not so deluged with email at this point that we can't read them and that we can't consider them. And that, and that being said, Joe, uh, let's see. We've got a good uh, – we're not even halfway through the show yet. Uh, shall I – uh, should we switch gears momentarily and uh, talk about, as promised on Friday, uh, Dr. Raina M. and her uh, near-death experience, the, uh, the email I received from Australia? Sure. Okay. So uh, I have permission to read this, so I'll just read it verbatim. And Joe, then uh, uh, right, I'll tell you what, I'll read it verbatim and then I'll hand it to you. It says, Hi, John and Joe. Let me begin, let me begin by saying thank you for the blessing that you – the Hagman team, and all of your programs are to me and so many others all around the world. I, well, thank you, Raina. Um, I pray for you all daily, including covering you in the blood of Jesus and dressing you in the full armor of God every day. Well, hallelujah to that. And, and by the way, quickly, hashtag full armor of God at Robertson John. We'll leave it at that. Here, back to Dr. Uh, Raina M's letter from Australia. Here is my experience of divine intervention or near-death experience. Uh, let me take a sip of water here. I was, I, was at, or I was a university student walking home along the sidewalk. I was about 100 meters from my home when I heard in my head a voice say very clearly, Stop! Do not move! I thought it was a bit silly to just stop, so I took another step, and I heard it again. Stop. Do not move. And that's how it's written, with emphasis. I thought to myself, wow, that's a really strong voice. And I stepped briefly, but thought it was just my imagination. I went to take another step, and the voice repeated the instruction. Stop. Do not move. This time, the command was so authoritative that I actually could not disobey it. As I stood there, my feet stuck to the sidewalk and standing bolt upright and not moving a muscle, I was thinking to myself, I must look like a total nutter to anyone who's watching me right now. As I was thinking that, um, a oot 
which is, which she says parenthetically, Australian truck with a tray at the back, and I've seen it. I've seen a boot before uh, on YouTube. Came up behind me. I couldn't see it before uh, because it was behind because it was behind me. Then I saw it as it drove past. A huge piece of four by four wood flung out of the tray. I think I think by tray she's referring to what we would call the bed of a truck, Joe. Um, a huge piece of four by four wood flung out of the tray as it had not been secured down. It flew directly over my head at great speed, missing my head by about an inch, smashed into the telegraph pole. I believe that would be a telephone pole uh, in front of me and landed at my feet. If God had not intervened, I most surely would have died. She goes on to say, when I am going through tough times, I remember that experience and am reassured and reminded that God has a purpose for my life. Again, I want to say amen. I went on to work in the field of child sexual abuse prevention. Oh, sounds like Dr. Rain M may be getting an email from the Hagman Report. Uh, I went on to work in the field of child sexual abuse prevention and through the course of my work discovered the horror and reality of high-level organized child sexual abuse trafficking, torture, and murder, and the corruption that has protected it for so long. I worked with the victims, I know it is real, and I have dedicated my life to seeing the truth revealed, to the victims receiving justice, and to the atrocities ending forever, all caps on forever. John, the interview you did about four years ago, uh, parenthetically, when, when still working in Hollywood, was the first time I heard the Hagman and Hagman report. I couldn't believe that someone was talking about this terrible reality that so few people knew about. My life changed forever that day. Thank you, John. Thank you, Joe, and the entire Hagman team for all that you do, especially for providing a voice for the voiceless and for defending the defenseless. I speak on behalf of many, many victims of organized child abuse victims and their supporters and you have changed lives. You have changed the world. God bless and protect you all. Raina, Dr. Raina M. from Australia. Joe? That's an awesome, uh, that's an awesome story as well as uh, just as interesting. Uh, the rest of the story about uh, where she ended up going to work and, and what she ended up doing, that's uh, uh, fascinating. And uh, we're blessed to have listeners like that out there. But, you know, we were talking about the, the near-death experiences or uh, situations that, that uh, were uh, close to death or could result in, in death that, uh, you know, kind of you remember that changed your life. And, uh, you know, we talked about last week uh, a, a car accident me and my father got into that the reason it was so weird for me is because everything was in super slow motion and there was this like supernatural peace uh, uh, throughout the whole thing. And it's just uh, amazing to hear other other stories like that. And uh, it just shows you how uh, the Lord works on this earth um, and how, you know, so few recognize it when it does happen. Uh, switching gears here, John, I want to mention this real quick. The Michael Cohen tapes, we had not given that uh, much coverage. We mentioned it. I want to say Rudy Giuliani uh, continues to make President Trump look bad as he has been in the news constantly. Like Michael Avenatti, you know, just he can't help himself. And he goes on these shows and he says, that he, if you look on the front of Drudge right now, Rudy, collusion is not a crime. 
and they don't have a thing. Well, and he's right about that. But, you know, how many lawyers do you know prostitute themselves on the mainstream media constantly? And do you want a lawyer that does that? I, I don't. I wouldn't personally. But I guess, uh, you know, this is a, a choice President Trump has. But anyway, um, the Avenatti or the, uh, I'm sorry, the Cohen tapes that President Trump had uh, signed a, a consent to allow to be played, which I got to ask the question, why as attorney of President Trump was Michael Cohen even taping Trump? Is that not a violation of uh, his his profession and does not not put him uh, in a situation where he should face disbarment for illegally taping meetings, private conversations between him and his client? And what's really uh, uh, what really and I know you can't prove a positive with a negative. But what tells me that there's really nothing there is that the best they got is talking about the potential payment for a, a rights to a story of somebody he had an affair with 10 years ago. That's the best they got trying to tape him illegally. You know, you make an interesting point, Joe. You cannot. Uh, I'm sorry. Repeat, repeat that for me, if you, you would. You can't prove um, a positive with a negative. Exactly. And if I'm not mistaken, that actually comes from that's proven in algebra as well. Um, but uh, but. Uh, this is a, a good little tool. This is a good little, a little, uh, a little nice, finely honed edge of insight for our listeners to use as you parse through the news. Most of which is a bunch of odious propaganda, but there are little scotches of truth uh, thrown in there, and that's that. Of course, goes back to the Joseph Goebbels uh, formula. But um, when you read stories, and we can tie this back into the Malaysian airline, when you read stories that are inundated with, with trying to um, not prove stories, but almost to under-report them, to appear... Uh, Joe, I'm going to bounce this back to you directly because I want to I make sure that what I'm saying is, is intelligible here. Many, many stories, be they in the print world or uh, articulated on a, on a platform like ours, but, but particularly in print. And by the way, the new media is, is guilty of this as well because it's so easy to do. You can appear to be creating direct, concrete, proper reportage, but, but really what you're doing is you're creating an article that's all, uh, that's all negatives, that's all things that cannot be proven, and yet, Joe, they're crafted in a manner that that is meant to bring the reader or the consumer of the media to the conclusion that the writer wants them to draw. And so it's a very, very tricky uh, tool of a good propagandist is to essentially you can read these, you can read these big, thick three, 4,000 word think pieces. And my goodness, when the Malaysian airliner went missing back in, I, I guess that was what, 2014. Um, uh, when that occurred, uh, this is a great example. We we that that there was article after article of tr of trying to I guess as you said uh, prove positives with a negative, and then of course in the in the new media uh, the speculation ran wild as well. Joe, I have a and I guess I've just got to get used to saying this. I I, I feel almost kind of silly, but I guess it is what it is. I have a source who says that. In November, there will be a significant report that will be made public 
that is going to indicate that, now remember, this isn't me opining here. I'm, I am parroting right now what I was told over the weekend. That is going to indicate that the Malaysian Flight 370 that disappeared in 2014 is, in fact, Malaysia Airlines Flight 17 uh, shot down over war-torn Ukraine in the late summer of 2015. Joe, your thoughts? I have no idea that, I mean, I have no idea how that would work or that, that how that could be true. What you're talking about uh, secretly uh, removing a plane uh, from, you know, uh, all its communication and radar systems, unloading 240 passengers, dis uh, destroying those passengers, relabeling a plane that ends up getting shot down over, uh, uh, coincidentally, over a, a war-torn region uh, a year and a half later. I don't know that. I mean, that's uh, that's a, a, a very large It's a stretch. It's yeah. a stretch. I agree. And, 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 and let me state for the record that, like I said, I'm, I'm parroting something that was said to me. So, so mark it on your calendars, listeners. Uh, right about Thanksgiving, uh, this report will be ready. And we'll have to just kind of pick through it and, and see what we, what we believe to be uh, uh, true, uh, where the veracity lies, if any. And, and, and the whole thing may, may with no offense uh, intended toward my, toward my contact, it may prove to be complete rubbish. Yeah. Um, but remember this, there is one odd little coincidence about that situation in Ukraine, Joe. And that is that Victoria Newland got busted on the phone. I believe she was speaking to the ambassador of the UN, if I remember correctly. Uh, Victoria Newland at the time was the uh, assistant secretary of state under, under Hillary Clinton. Um, that she, and she got popped saying uh, I'm paraphrasing, but saying that uh, we, the United States, and our intelligence apparatus had been very successful in fomenting and in content the continuance of the violence in Ukraine. Remember, listeners, the optics out of Ukraine. Remember the tens of thousands of people in that government uh, plaza. Uh, I cannot think of the capital of Ukraine for some reason right now. It'll come to me in a second. But um, I've never seen anything like that before in my life. You had probably 1,000, maybe 1,500 uh, what we would call robocops, like black battle-rattle clad, ready-to-rumble, uh, you know, government tough guys um, who, who did this thing that reminded me of, the, of, the, of, I believe it was the Spartans who used to fight in a wedge. They would put together this wedge of men. And this is back in the Braveheart days where you'd have two armies go running at each other and they'd clash into each other and swords are flying and battle axes are flying and clubs are flying. Well, I believe it was the Spartans uh, who figured out a wedge that if they made this wedge, it, it, it would penetrate the enemy's line and it actually was better than just having your line crash into the enemy's line. Uh, that wedge was then later used uh, back in the old galloping ghost days of uh, of football, in the early days where they wore you know the leather helmets and stuff, uh, that wedge was illegal uh, in the NFL back then. So, so, which is kind of a similar thing. You got you got to get the ball down the field, you form up the wedge, you got the ball carrier inside the wedge, and off you go. Now that's no longer illegal, 
uh, in the NFL, but apparently it worked whether you're in a big Braveheart style or, or gladiators, you know, the Russell Crowe film style um, a battle, or whether you're just moving the football uh, up the uh, field. So, you know, it, it, it's, it's, it's interesting to see uh, what happened in Ukraine because their police forces, Joe, exercised great restraint. Now, you may recall, and, and, and I'm going to bounce it to you here in just a hot second. Do you recall the optics? I believe it was like, I think it was November or December 2014. They were shooting Roman candles directly at the cops, like the like the fireballs that come out of a Roman candle were, were bouncing off their black helmets. And at one point, some dude went and got a massive bulldozer with a huge dump bucket on the front, and he began to push this this mob. Uh, well, he, well, the mob got out of the way, but then he began to push this phalanx of police back with this bulldozer and it, it, it was a big, it wasn't, you know, like a, like, you know, farmer John next door's little tractor. I mean, this was a bulldozer, a big old cat. Um, and, uh, anyway, do you remember those optics show out of that, out of that square? Yeah. yeah. Insanity. Now, Victoria Newland got popped and guess whose son was over there making a mint on natural gas deals. None Joe other Biden. than old creepy Uncle Joe Biden. And Joe, with that being said, I'll hand it to you. Maybe you want to uh, refresh our listeners as to what Biden was up to. Well, I don't remember the specifics, except that he was uh, uh, he, he made a lot of money off of some energy deal uh, over there, energy deals over there. And that's also what uh, Paul Manafort's in trouble for, for dealings over uh, in the Ukraine that were not um, – Apparently, he didn't pay taxes on or didn't file the right paperwork on. The same thing Tony Podesta uh, was in trouble for. But, um, yeah, I don't really recall much about uh, Crimea you're talking about, John. And I don't recall much about, um, you know, that being linked to the to the Malaysia flight except for the other airline, the commercial airline oh, that was shot. Well, here's, here's the deal is that is that they tried to they tried to sell in. OK, so the, the so the so the other flight, uh, Malaysia Airline Flight 17 the one that uh, many believe was hit by a surface-to-air missile, the one that crashed over Ukraine. Now, th- now that story had a bunch of a bunch of holes and a bunch of bizarre uh, uh, facts about it as well. Now, I didn't do a big research on this before the show because I didn't really know we were going to talk about it, but I did just happen to have this conversation with this with this source over the weekend. Um, uh, and by the way, this source uh, does not come on the Hagman Report, but anyhow. Um, the, the crash of that airline, which was, which was way out of its, I'm talking about not, not the, the first Malaysian flight, but the second one, the one that crashed in Ukraine, um, it was way out of its flight pattern and it was flying over a known war zone, which no pilot, no airline company in the world permits that air traffic control doesn't permit it. So you have this plane that was way off its flight pattern. It was over like almost a battlefield type thing. And uh, if you recall, uh, again, this was during the lame duck uh, days of, 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 well, not really lame duck, but it was toward the end of, of Obama's presidency. Um, the, uh, the neocons and the Warhawks uh, told all kinds of crazy stories uh, uh, about how, oh, they had, I remember they had one lady on the news who uh, had a, she was sitting down to dinner with her family 
and had a body come crashing through the ceiling of her house and down through the dining room table and then down through the floor. Yeah. Um, pretty, pretty crazy stuff. And I, I apologize, folks, that I'm not on point with the story the way I would prefer to be. Uh, we can, again, Joe, we can cover it a little more later in the week where I can re- do my research and get my historical facts correct. But I do remember that they tried to use that, 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 that uh, second Malaysian airline, Flight 17. They tried to use it to drum up the war lust uh, among the American people. And, I, and I've got to go back and I've got to get my story straight about how that happened. Now, your dad, you and your dad uh, interviewed, uh, I believe it was uh, Catherine Austin Fitz, uh, the day after that uh, airline crash uh, happened. And your dad had some very interesting first take on uh, what he thought and and what he was grappling with at the time were, are the two planes the same plane? You see, this is one of those situations, folks, where there's lots of motive, but unfortunately, there's just not a lot of evidence. Uh, anyway, Joe, let's move on. What else do you have? Well, uh, as I said before, up on, uh, on the front of Dredge, you have the, the Giuliani stuff going on, and you also have... Um, one of the stories that's uh, not really being covered in the mainstream is uh, something I've been kind of paying attention to over the weekend, which is the uh, the continued censorship from the social media companies on uh, the right side of the aisle through uh, from Alex Jones and his YouTube channel getting banned to what we have learned is the uh, uh, shadow banning of many mainstream Republican congressmen and, and senators. And this is not being talked about at all by the mainstream media uh, as they were, I mean, they just refused to cover this, but we know from our own personal experience and from uh, listening and hearing to other people who are wrapped up in lawsuits, who are fighting censorship from, you know, the SGT reports to our own uh, battles of, of not being able to live stream on YouTube to uh, being demonetized over, you know, 90 to 95% uh, over the last 18 months on YouTube and really seeing you know revenue being brought to a halt uh, by that where that was a once a source of revenue where we could not have to rely on on donations and uh you know things like that that was a, a nice has been taken away and not only from us from many uh, people who are in the uh, alternative media if you will and this is a trend that is continuing to uh, increase uh, as we see now with these uh, politicians it's front and center and uh you know what is their response to this and alex jones has done a number of videos over the weekend uh about the the extent of this censorship and we i don't know if we mentioned this um last week about the how much money facebook lost just in one day i think mark zuckerberg lost uh, 16 billion dollars and what was that a direct result of the uh, ongoing censorship campaign that we see was this pushback uh, or why do we see this significant drop in uh, facebook stock and i'm going to look at it right now i'm pulling it up let's see what the how the stock is doing today because um friday it was uh it was pretty bad so it doesn't let's says uh Facebook stock. I don't see any um, change really, or no big news on on it continuing to decline. Uh, here, CNBC tech stocks are dropping hard again as investors start to lose faith. This is from one hour ago. Facebook and Netflix missed 
what's it say? Analyst targets for the second quarter as Facebook saw roughly $120 billion wiped from its market value last week. And from what I understand, this is the most uh, any company has lost in a one day period in Wall Street in history. So just to give you some insight into how much money that actually is. But is it does it put a dent uh, in Facebook as over 20% of its uh, money was, was ripped from it uh, after this second quarter report? And what does the report state? It states that Facebook and uh, other companies like Netflix are seeing a big decline in new signups. So that's what this is all about. But how many, I mean, what does Facebook have? Three billion people on it? At some point, you're going to run out of people. You're going to run out of good futures numbers when your whole market, when your market is the whole world and half the world is signed up for it and the other half doesn't have access to it. You're going to reach your limit at some point, right? So I don't know. But anyway, the, uh, the stock fell more than 5% following the report and is down about 13% for the month. And, um, we're continuing to see this downward trend as uh, as 11.28 today. The stock was down almost eight uh, points to 167. So still a, a small decline, but nothing like we saw on Friday. Well, Joe, first of all, you're exactly correct. Second of all, Facebook will continue to lose market share, but they will also pick up low information, new market share. The question is, Facebook is all about people putting together brilliant pages that that other people want to read. Now, we, now, I would encourage our listeners to go back to April 30th uh, on the Hagman Report uh, to our exclusive interview with Diamond and Silk with um, uh, uh, Rochelle Richardson and Lynette Hardaway, uh, known better as Diamond and Silk. Uh, they spoke very candidly about exactly what Facebook has done to the Diamond and Silk brand. And interestingly, interestingly, Joe, it was just over this weekend. I went back and I reviewed a series of articles that I wrote uh, in early March. Uh, I cranked out like four or five of them in about a 10 or 15 day period. Uh, and this is when Dr. Jerome Quosi uh, pulled his channel down. This is when uh, Victorus Libertas lost their channel. Um, Jake Morphonius uh, lost his channel, uh, and there were several others. And uh, go back and listen, uh, listeners, to Diamond and Silk. They can say they can tell it better than I can summarize it. Um, what and how Facebook treated them? Now, it they took a 1.2 million follower hit. Because Facebook was doing their version of, of shadow banning. Now, the shadow banning term comes from Twitter. But Facebook can do the same thing. Facebook can, can block your news alerts from being sent out, which is a, a major way that Diamond and Silk communicate. So I posed in this article uh, that I wrote three, four months ago, I, I, I posed this question. How many small businesses in America, okay, and I think Diamond and Silk employ – I don't know how many people they employ, but I know I talk to two different people over at that organization when I do try to uh, bring them on the show. Uh, how many businesses, Joe, can take a 1.2 million customer hit and remain viable? Right. Not many. And Joe, um, I know we're running low on time. I'm going to make this my last piece for today. About how much time do we have left? About five minutes? We got about eight minutes. Okay. Um, this is from uh, a new website, uh, that, to me anyway. It's studyfinds.org. 
and I thought our listeners might find this interesting. Uh, it says, the headline says, simply fearing the day will be stressful, worsens memory, focus, and productivity. Uh, this is written uh, today, July 30th, uh, by uh, Study Finds. Now, I assume that means it's written by a staff writer. I don't see a byline on here. Um, uh, University Park, Pennsylvania. Uh, it says, be optimistic, at least in the morning. Just believing your day will be stressful after you wake up can cause you to be less productive and make a day at the office even harder, a new study finds. That's because when you start a day off thinking about a later event that could bring about more stress, your working memory weakens, say researchers from Penn State University. Working memory, of course, controls your ability to process and retain information in the short term and also plays a key role in concentration. Quote, humans can think about and anticipate things before they happen, which can help us prepare for and even prevent certain events, says co-author Jinsil Hun, or Hyun, a doctor, I'm sorry if I, if I mispronounced your name, Jinsil, uh, a doctoral student in human development and family studies in a university release, quote, but this study suggests that this ability can also be harmful to your daily memory function, independent of whether the stressful events actually happen or not. Now, Joe, I only have two things to say about this. The first is, can anyone among us, any of our listeners today on the Hagman Daily Show, Monday, July 30, have any of you ever accomplished something or had a situation turn out with a better or more preferred outcome because you worried more about it, because you got that extra... Right couple nights of lost sleep in there. And the other thing I want to add, and, and folks, please, this is not a shameless self-promotion. This is the real deal. I have started this project. It's hashtag full armor of God. It's to be it's easily found at Robertson John on Twitter, R-O-B-B-E-R-S-O-N-J-O-N on Twitter at Robertson John. And what it is, Joe, is is as I've said every day on the Hagman Daily Show, and thank you for allowing me to bro- be a broken record on this one. But for about nine weeks now, I've been waking up and starting the day with prayer. And it's a simple prayer. It's a prayer of gratitude. It's a prayer of submission. It's a prayer, uh, and I try to pray in Scripture as much as I can. So I thank the Lord that the prayer of a righteous man availeth much. I thank the Father that faith is the substance of all things hoped for and the evidence of things not seen. I thank the Lord that his Scripture informs us that we are to be anxious for nothing. I thank him and it motivates me that the harvest is great, but the laborers are few. And I thank him further because I need a lot of juice to get through the day that we must work now while it is daylight because soon night will come where no man can work. So I like to pray in the word a lot. If you want to join me, listeners, just go on my Twitter feed. I put one up every day and have been for a week. Today was hashtag full armor of God project day four. And uh, today was just a reminder that we are no longer under mosaic law. Somebody blew me up on Twitter over the weekend for taking Sunday off, telling me that I was celebrating a the paganized Roman Sabbath. And well, that, you are, John. I mean, Sunday well, is. It's Saturday. It's the true Sabbath. I'm, I'm fully aware of it. But the reality is I'm doing the best I can. If I were to to take the Sabbath from sundown Friday to sundown Saturday, 
then I wouldn't, I would never be in the studio on our Friday night broadcasts. So, so, uh, I simply tweeted back to this person. I said, look, um, Christ came not to abolish the law, but to fulfill it. And I have nothing but the deepest respect for our Jewish brothers and sisters and our Christian brethren who choose to live a more messianic Christian lifestyle. But Joe, I think that just like this article was saying, uh, you don't need a scientist in, in Pennsylvania to tell you that stinking thinking and that fearful thoughts are going to demolish your day. Fear, Joe, is the number one weapon of Satan. It's the number one weapon in his arsenal. And so, so for me, uh, I'm gonna be I'm gonna be taking Sundays off henceforth on Twitter. Uh, it's just it's the best I can do. I've got to take my Sabbath, my day of rest on Sunday because, like many of you out there, I've got a job. You know, there's a bunch of truckers and nurses and what have you that are listening to our show that have the same same issue. So, I guess my at the end of the day, what I'm saying is beginning your day with prayer is so unbelievably awesome. I cannot recommend it enough. I know it's not the sexiest thing I've ever said, but man, listeners, when you start seeing the results, you will be blown away. And uh, Joe, I'm gonna start making these hashtag full armor of God videos uh, using Periscope because I need to make them a little bit longer. You can only put a two minute and 20 second video up on Twitter otherwise. But this project is going to be ongoing and it's simply an opportunity for listeners to join me for a couple of minutes at the beginning of your day in prayer with just a really sweet, simple reminder that guess what? God has it under control. Joe? And that's uh, that's a great way to start your day, John. And I know uh, I even go through this. I don't know if you have this happen, but uh, you you talk about that fear. Uh, And this seems to happen to me more in, in the morning or late in the evenings where you get this like a uh, wave of, of irrational fear and worry for, for reasons that may or may not be as serious as you're making them out to be in that moment. And then you do come to that realization that, well, okay, if this is really a problem, how is uh, feeling this way? Uh, you know, how is this helping in any way other than, uh, you know, making it worse. So you have to, at some point understand that, yes, you have to overcome those fears in order to, uh, you know, continue to uh, be sane in this world. Otherwise, you're going to be paralyzed by that fear. And that is absolutely no way to live uh, as that ruins people's lives. We see it all the time. And, uh, you know, we talked about the medication aspect, uh, the, both the pharmacolo- pharmacological and the self-medication aspect of that and how that only goes so far and ends up creating more problems. Uh, more often than not, and uh, you know there is only the one solution, and John, that's what you mentioned, and that's the uh, the prayer aspect of this. We have to make sure we put that front and center. We are at the end of our show. Don't forget our sponsor, SimplyCleanFoods.net. Use promo code SimplyClean for your discount. There you can get a number of storable foods, all GMO free, one ingredient, uh, f- great, fresh, twenty five year shelf life as well as other supplies, water filtration systems, uh, tools, and and any and everything in between. SimplyCleanFoods.net, promo code SimplyClean. We appreciate the support. We appreciate the listenership, the feedback. We will be back tonight on Hagman Report at 7, and then we'll be back here tomorrow at 2. Have a great day, everyone.
The Hagman Daily Show is brought to you by The Hagman Report. Tune in to The Hagman Report weekdays, 7 to 10 p.m. Eastern Time. For more information, go to hagmanreport.com. That's hagmanreport.com.